Hello, welcome to the Monday, August 1st, 2022 edition of the Sands and its Storm Center's Stormcast. My name is Johannes Ulrich, and today I'm recording from Jacksonville, Florida. We often cover analyzing malicious PDFs in our diaries. In particular, DDAs tools are calmly used, but most of the time we walk you through some specific feature or some particular interesting artifact. But uh, what we have been missing a little bit, I think, is to really sort of give you some of the basics in analyzing these documents, which are all too common, of course. On Friday, Jesse, who is our uh, new apprentice handler here, went over a quick introduction to how to use PDF parser on a normal malicious PDF to explain some of the basic features of this tool. So for everybody getting started with malware reverse analysis, in particular PDFs, bookmark the post and follow Jesse's steps here to figure out how PDF parser works. Well, of course, one way PDFs are sometimes used is phishing, but, well, phishing usually more related to bad login pages. For criminals attempting to find locations to host these files, well, they're cloud providers, and we, of course, have seen this a lot. They're a very attractive option, but Trustwave and others have recently observed another option in increased use by attackers, and that's IPFS, the Interplanetary File System, as it's called. What it basically is, it stores uh, files on systems around the world. It's a little bit sort of Tor-like in that sense, but really just meant to store files. The files are then identified by hashes, and to access a file, you may send an HTTP request to a particular gateway. Now... A user will just send a normal HTTP request to one of those gateways. Then often a number of redirects happen until you end up with the file. Part of these redirects is often where the initial URL, which is the gateway, then at the end, usually a parameter, uh, the hash. It's then sort of being turned around into the hash being part of the host name that's actually being requested, which may actually be a good thing because uh, these long host names, they tend to stick out in your uh, DNS logs. Trustwave has a number of different sort of cases they walk through in their blog, different gateways that were being used, and also a number of sort of indicators of compromise beyond just looking for hashes as part of host names that you can uh, look for. Now, once the fake login page is loaded uh, via the interplanetary file system, uh, then your typical uh, phishing happens. Now, since this is just a static page, the remainder then often involves JavaScript in order to exfiltrate the data that the user entered into the fake login form. And Volexity has a write-up about a browser extension under active uh, development that exfiltrates webmail content. Unlike uh, phishing, and you know, when you hear that, you first think, hey, they're just pulling username and password. That's actually not what they're doing here. Instead, the extension scans for any emails that the user is looking at via a webmail site, and they have observed this with Gmail and AOL mail of all uh, things. The latest version of this extension works with uh, Google Chrome, Edge, and Whale, which is of another uh, Google Chrome or Chromium uh, derivative. 
this particular actor appears to be interested in information related to North Korea. This also explains a little bit uh, the inclusion of that uh, browser called Whale, which is particularly commonly used in South Korea. Adding a new extension to Chrome isn't trivial sort of from the command line. I've done it in a couple of cases, like to, uh, for example, create uh, exercise virtual machines and such. The methodology used by the attacker remotely modifies the browser preference file and you have to be really careful because also secure browser preference file that is signed with a specific hash so a bunch of things that the attacker has to look up and get right in order uh, to actually not alert the the victim of uh, the altered file the changes are also just added uh, to the file so any existing configuration and plugins are remaining in place again limiting the chance of discovery Volexity attributes these attacks to a North Korean threat actor. To mitigate the attacks, Volexity recommends keeping an eye on installed extensions. Always a good idea, given that they're not just used by sort of these maybe nation-state-level attackers, but also uh, by uh, criminals. And uh, then enable PowerShell script block logging. Uh, PowerShell is being used here in order to actually go through the mechanics of installing uh, these extensions. Volexity also offers more details in the case of compromise as part of its blog post. And sticking with Korea here, a little bit uh, different uh, item, the South Korean security company Onlop shows that it still is a bad idea to run a Microsoft SQL server exposed to the internet without sufficient security controls. The new way these servers are being monetized, apparently they no longer have any data of value really left, is to turn them into HTTP proxies. And then uh, this proxy bear, as it's called, is actually then used to find new vulnerable servers. And of course, they can also be resold uh, to other attackers or uh, just to, I guess, you know, have more bandwidth uh, for your attacks in addition to some anonymity. And then we got a couple of new vulnerabilities that we may need to keep an eye on. Uh, Nosomi Networks looked at vulnerabilities in IP cameras. And what he particularly looked for was the OnWiv protocol. That's a protocol. It's an open protocol that's used by a lot of cameras to allow connections from uh, network video recorders and other sort of uh, control software. And of course, uh, they found some vulnerabilities in particular in Dahua cameras. That's at least what their latest blog is about before they also found some in Access and other uh, cameras. The problem with the OnWiv protocol, among other problems, is that it doesn't really require encryption via HTTPS. So everything you send is in the clear, including authentication tokens. Now the protocol sort of takes into account and requires some replay protection here, at least of these authentication tokens, but apparently uh, they are not correctly implemented in these Dahua cameras, and so that makes them uh, vulnerable. 
And the NCC group published a set of vulnerabilities in Nuki smart locks. The vulnerabilities include buffer overflows, not validating TLS certificates, Bluetooth pairing weaknesses, and more of the type of vulnerabilities commonly seen in poorly designed IoT devices. And finally, we got an update for the Fox IT PDF reader that fixes a number of vulnerabilities. This affects the macOS as well as the Windows version. That's it for today. If you like the podcast, uh, please let your friends and social media and whatever uh, know about it. Uh, leave good reviews in your favorite podcast platform. If there's anything that we can improve, please uh, let me know. Use our contact form or just send me an email. Spammers seem to be able to find my email address, so you'll probably too. And if you want to listen to the podcast, it's also available, by the way, via Amazon Alexa Flash Briefing and, of course, via many other podcast services. Thanks, and talk to you again tomorrow. Bye.